Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. So glad that you're able to join us for Christmas in Edmonton. And uh, it's just been a great, great service so far. You know, over the um, past several Christmas Eves, I've usually had the opportunity to share a story, uh, something that's kind of entertaining that either happened to my wife or through my wife. Okay, and that's kind of almost been a little bit of a trend. Except this year, as I was coming into December, I had nothing. I mean, just there was nothing, no greats. So I thought, maybe I'll have to default to the grandkids or something like this. But you know what? Sure enough, she came through. <laughs> she did. She came through. Um, as, as I, you know, as we were entering um, December here and, and, and the beginning of the month, earlier in this month, Leslie and I took a couple of days to go to Jasper in celebration of our 40th wedding anniversary. You're welcome. It wasn't easy for her. Okay, all right, moving right along. Anyway, while we're driving back to Edmonton, um, we're, you know, we're in the truck coming back together and uh, her phone rings, so she answers. And, um, you know, one of my sons is on the, on the other line. She's sitting beside me with her phone. Dad, you know, you know is dad with you? Was the first question. And uh, she's like, yes, he's right beside me. You know, we're, we're driving home. Um, and, uh, okay, he says, and then he says this, you know, just, just answer yes or no. Just answer yes or no. Did you buy dad Crocs for Christmas? <laughs> to which my wife answers, uh, uh, oh, uh, you're on speakerphone. <laughs> I don't think I stopped laughing for 20 minutes. Now, there's two things that we can learn from this story. One is this, I may or may not be getting Crocs for Christmas. <laughs> But in either case, the surprise has seriously been compromised, okay? Um, but the second is this. The second is, is this, that sometimes our perception of things can be a lot different than what reality really is. And I, I think that can happen at Christmas when it comes to what Christmas is all about. Uh, you know, our perception of who Jesus is, why Jesus, uh, you know, came, might be missing some key information just like my son was missing a key part of his information that the, he was on speakerphone. So why did Jesus come at Christmas? Like why Christmas in the first place? That's what I want to talk to you for the next few minutes about. First of all, thing about Christmas that might surprise you uh, when we think about why did Jesus come at Christmas is this. Jesus actually came to end religion. Now that just sounds totally the opposite of what most of us might think. We would think, Oh, hold it. Didn't Jesus come and start a religion? I mean, from a distance, that's what you could easily think, and I can understand why. I mean, there's Christ followers. Uh, Jesus is worshipped. He has international influence. Uh, people pray in the name of Jesus. There are buildings dedicated to Christ, all, all the rest of it. And from a distance, it sure looks like Jesus came to start a religion, not to end religion. So what am I talking about when I say that Jesus came to end religion? This is what I'm talking about. Religion is man's attempt to please God in our own way and through our own efforts. That is, it's our attempt to seek God's favor and acceptance through our performance. Everything that you think you need to do to keep 
God happy. It's just religion. And it's been happening since the beginning of time. Uh, this, this whole kind of concept of who God is that, you know, God must be angry or we don't want him to be angry. We have to do something to kind of appease God. In fact, before Jesus came, uh, you know, there was a certain pagan culture that would actually offer their children as a sacrifice to an idol in order to keep God's favor in their life. Every world religion has you doing something in order to please God or to attempt to be in harmony with him, to earn heaven, if you will. You're to follow the rules. You're to practice the rituals. You're to say the chants. You're to make the sacrifices, all to earn God's favor and hopefully a place in heaven for eternity. The other and perhaps most common religion, especially here in our country, is one of our convenience, where we get to make up our own rules. These are the people who say things like, I'm basically a good person, so that should be good enough. That's what my relationship with God is like. It's me being good so that he will be happy. So you being good earns a place in God's good books, but that's just religion. Regardless of whether the rules come through a world religion or whether we make them up ourselves, it's all religion. It's all about man's attempt to please God. The thing about religion is this, it never works. It never works. You're never adequate. You never measure up. Uh, you, you never come to a place of confidence before God. You, you always feel like something is still missing. I should still be doing something else. And if pleasing God is about being good, the question becomes, well, how good is good enough? And see, that's really the issue right there. When do you know that you have arrived? Well, that's just it. You never do. You never do. Furthermore, Jesus never told us that being good is what gets you to God. Jesus came to end all of that. Now, how does Jesus end religion? Well, instead of us trying to live good enough for him, us reaching up to God, God reaches down to us through the coming of Jesus at Christmas. Christianity is the story of God reaching down to us, not of us reaching up to him. Matthew chapter one and verse 23 says, behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. At Christmas, we don't celebrate our attempt to reach God. We celebrate that God loved us enough to reach out to us. It's God with us, Emmanuel. The story of Christmas is the story of Jesus coming to us, reaching out to us. Religion is all about what you do to reach God. Christianity is all about what God did to reach you. And the story of Easter is the story of how Jesus paid for our sins. Again, God reaching out to us. It's the story of how he forgave us. He covers our faults. It's the story of God's love and acceptance of us because Jesus provided redemption for us. That's why the Bible doesn't tell us how to earn salvation. It only tells us that we're to receive salvation. You see, we receive God's favor. We receive God's forgiveness. We don't earn it. It comes as a gift. Jesus came to end religion. Second of all, Jesus came 
to show us what God is really like. You know, it's amazing how we can have such horrible perceptions of who God is and and what God does. Every disaster gets labeled as an act of God. Tragedy strikes and people will say things like, why did God allow this to happen? As though everything that happens on earth must be in the will of God. Here's the thought. Not everything that happens on earth is in the will of God. And if it was, Jesus wouldn't have had to come in the first place. Furthermore, not everything that happens can be blamed on somebody else or something else. The idea that bad things happen as an act of God's judgment has been around forever. It's it's a really old idea. In fact, uh, there was a time in the Bible where, where Jesus is passing by a guy who happens to be born blind from birth. And so the question gets asked of Jesus, why is this guy blind? Was it his sin or was it his parents' sin. What's being implied here is that surely the tragedy of being blind is is because of the fact that he's under God's judgment. This must be something God did to him because of something wrong about him. Jesus says it was neither, and then he ends up healing the man. Well, there's another time where Jesus is with some people, and, and he makes this comment. He asks this question. He says, do you think those who lost their lives when this tower fell on top of them, were worse sinners than anybody else? In other words, he's saying this, do you think when tragedy happens that it's actually God showing his judgment on your life? People view God as being in the judging business. You know, they'll say things like, God will get you for that. Listen, I've had more than one person actually say to me that the reason they wouldn't come out to church here is because if they did, fire might fall from heaven and burn the place down. I just reassure them we have a good insurance policy. (laughs) But what I really wonder is, where did you get that image of God? God isn't in the judging business. He's in the redeeming business. He's extending mercy and forgiveness. If you want to know God's perspective towards people in various situations of life, then all you have to do is look to Jesus. In fact, Jesus made a point of telling that to his followers. Just before Jesus was about to go to the cross, he was with his disciples, and he was reassuring them that they would have an eternity in heaven with him. In John chapter 14 and verse 9, it says this, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that'll be enough for us. Jesus answered, do you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Jesus, without hesitation, is telling Philip, if you know me, you know the Father. Jesus tells Philip, you just need to consider all the things that I do as really as evidence, as proof, if you will. After all, it was Jesus who forgives sins, and only God can do that. It was Jesus who would cause the blind to see and the lame to walk. Again, that's a God thing. It was Jesus who raised the dead, more than once, in fact. And and one time it was of somebody who'd been dead for several days. Well, only God could possibly do that. No wonder he would say to Philip, don't you know me, even after I have been with you for such a long time? If you want to know what God is like, just look to Jesus. Jesus restored dignity to those whose lives were in shame. Jesus forgave and restored those who others might have judged and condemned. 
Jesus was the healer and restorer of broken hearts and of broken lives. And Jesus offered hope to people when they were in despair. It was Jesus who believed in, in people and even when others had given up on them. And never once did Jesus ever meet somebody in sickness or in tragedy and tell them this was God's way of teaching them a lesson. Never once did he say this was God punishing them. If we really understood that, if we really understood that this is what God is like, wouldn't it make the most sense for you and I to want to do life with him? If you want to know what God is like, if you want to know what the heavenly father is like, all you need to do is look to Jesus who came to show us what God is really like. He came to end religion and he came to show us what God is really like. Well, finally, Jesus came so that you might have life to the fullest. You know, it might be surprising to you because maybe you've looked at Christianity and you thought, man, if, if I get into this Jesus thing, there goes all the fun in life. I mean, you know, all the stuff that I, I think would be great, I, I, Jesus would probably be a killjoy to it. No, no, you're getting that confused with religion. Religion is a killjoy. Jesus adds joy. Following Christ means a life filled with purpose and amazing experience of knowing God. This is eternal life, the Bible says, that you may know him. It's out of a place of knowing Jesus that we experience life to the fullest. In fact, in John 10, 10, Jesus said this, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Again, Jesus is telling us, listen, when you see stealing, killing, destruction in people's lives, don't assign that to God. That's not him, nor is it his will. Jesus came that we could have life to the full. The problem is that we're often trying to attain our, our best life, if you will, the wrong way. Or we overexpect when it comes to the actual value that we place on some of our ambitions that we have in life. Perhaps you've looked to possessions and think, man, when I, when I get that house, when I get that car, some other object, boy, I'll really be living the life when that happens. Maybe you've looked to achievements. Boy, when I finally get to travel, when, when I get that event in life and I accomplish it, or maybe I get my, my dream career, whatever it may be, some achievement in life. Or maybe even relationships and think, boy, it'll be great once I finally get married or once we have children or once my children have children. Listen, typically all of these categories are in the form of a destination that we try to get to. And what is also very typical is when we get to them, they don't have the impact that we thought that they would. They will always have an initial honeymoon, honeymoon period, but then eventually that changes. Things can lose their appeal. Achievements can become dusty trophies. And even relationships can surprise us because we discover it takes more work than we thought for them to stay healthy. You know, when the angels came to the shepherds, this is what they said to them in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. The angels said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born for you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. You know, if you're miserable on the inside, getting more, bigger, and better of anything won't compensate for that. 
you need a savior. I need a savior. We need a savior. There are plenty of successful people in the world who are not living life to the full simply because of what they're full of. They're full of frustration, bitterness, strife. Their life is stressed right out to the max. Fear, resentment, shame, broken and hurting on the inside. And what their life is full of is keeping them from living life to the full. In Luke chapter nine and verse 25, the scripture says this, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, wealth, fame, success, and loses or forfeits himself? Jesus offers us his forgiveness first and foremost, but then he comes to our life with the promise of a brand new start. The scriptures call it becoming a new creation, or Jesus referred to it as being born again. It's as though I get to start my life all over again. The difference is Christ is at the center of it, not a whole bunch of other things that would distract and detract from my life. I get to have a second chance. You get to have a do-over. If you're a golfer, it's your mulligan at life. What does that look like? Well, you're forgiven and the shame of the past is removed. There's a change of focus where your relationship with God is actually your priority. The author of all life now becomes the center of your life. You're empowered to let go of what's eating you up on the inside so that you can have a life filled with joy and peace. You're allowing God to do a work inside of you that will heal you from whatever it is that you may have gone through. Listen, your life isn't meaningless. Your life isn't by accident. You're, you are loved by God. You are valued by God. You are created with purpose and destiny in mind that is discovered through a relationship with Jesus. And in that, you discover life to its fullest. Now, as I mentioned earlier, this new life isn't something you achieve. It's just something you receive. In fact, John 1.12 says this, yet to all those who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. This Christmas can be your moment of a new beginning. This Christmas, you can receive the greatest gift that the world has ever known, Jesus. I wanna invite you to stand for a moment. And we're gonna, we're just gonna take a moment for a word of prayer. Because maybe you're here today and you're like, okay, what do I do to receive Jesus? What do I do to begin that relationship with him that you're talking about? Well, the Bible says you, you basically respond to God with a prayer, a prayer that acknowledges who he is, a prayer that acknowledges your need for him, and a prayer that welcomes him into your life. God will hear the sincerity of your, your prayer today, and you can begin that new life that Jesus promises. If you just bow your heads, I'm gonna lead you in that prayer. And if, if this has spoken to your heart and you're like, I need to join in on this, you're welcome to join in on this prayer. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. And I thank you that you paid for the sins of the world, including my sins, when you died and rose again. I ask you to forgive my past. And I invite you into my life I receive you as my savior and the leader of my life. And I'll follow you with all of my heart from this day forward 
In Jesus' name, amen.